Thank you, Jesse. Good morning. It's good to see you. I know there are a few of you uh, that are watching, and I love to see that. Uh, I'm sorry to apologize that YouTube's not working, but I'm glad that most of you have found your way to Facebook. Um, we are continuing our road to Aramaeus. Aramaeus. Emmaus. I knew I was going to say it wrong. Road to Emmaus series. Uh, if you have not been a part and you're just jumping on right now, and I know there are a few of you even out of state right now that are watching, I got a message from you saying you're enjoying the stream. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, the Road to Emmaus series that we're in is basically this concept that there's a story that happens right after uh, Jesus is raised from the grave, and these two men are talking to Jesus, unaware that it's Jesus, and they're sharing kind of the story of Jesus. And so the concept of this is not necessarily explaining that, but saying, what if we were to explain to someone on Easter morning what Jesus' life and why the significance of that morning was all uh, was important? And so the the whole journey that we've been on is just trying to grab some really key chronological events that have happened in Christ's life all the way leading up to Easter. And so uh, this week is actually week six of us doing this. And so if you're, you're like, man, I, I missed some of the other ones, I encourage you to go back, check those out, uh, and get caught up. But today specifically, I think, is one of, one of the most challenging, one of the most incredibly overwhelming, and I should say, difficult things to teach, but it's also one of the most timely. Um, we're going to talk through um, basically one of Jesus's core teachings. Now, I've been doing my best over the last few weeks, uh, like I said, to chronologically give you kind of the life of Christ and to lead you in a way that you could tell someone a few events that why Christ's life was important. Um, but some things that are in the, the gospel accounts specifically uh, are not chronological because they were taught multiple times. They were taught, in fact, all the time. And one of the things that we're going to talk about today is found in two places. It's found in Matthew and in, in Mark. But this is a core of what Jesus' kingdom speech was all about. And if you've been here uh, the last few weeks, I've ended my, my last few sermons with this thought of, like, the kingdom is light, the kingdom has no fear. What the language that Jesus himself used. He used this language to describe something that is not of this place. It is not what we see and touch and smell and feel here, but it is something that is otherworldly. It's something of a different reign, of a different place. And that's the language he would use to kind of give us an illustration. And one of the ways that he laid that out was in a specific sermon. We call it the Sermon on the Mount in chapters 5 through 7 of Matthew. And that was not just one sermon. It was actually the core teachings that he probably taught all the time, that were the cores of kind of what he saw the new kingdom being about. Now, Matthew, of course, puts them all together, throws them into this beautiful thing, and gives us that whole speech. And so we're going to talk about a specific section in that, but I want you to know this is something that Jesus would have said walking along the road. It's something that he would have mentioned multiple times. It's something he probably preached. What's important to know about that is that if he was here with us today, and if he was seeing the climate that we were in, he would have something to teach us. He would have some things to share with us. He would have some words that he would love us to hear. And I think the power of the Bible and the power of what is recorded in these Gospels, still speaks today. And in fact, I want you to know that the context for Matthew chapter 6 that we're going to be in today is a group of people that are starving, are being 
militarily occupied by a dominant nation named Rome, have no real freedoms, and have no real future. And they are living in one of the most uncertain, un- there is just nothing they have to look forward to. They are worried beyond belief to the fact that they might not have food or homes or clothes. And the context of these verses are in the context of what Jesus would say to them. Now, as difficult as the last week or two has been for us and the uncertainty that most of us feel, even if we aren't sure exactly if we should be as fearful as some are or be as worried as some are, there is real tension in us. But as worried as we may be, it is nothing compared to the original context of the audience that heard this. And that's important to recognize. Because when Jesus starts out this section in Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 and 21, he says this, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths vermin destroy and where thieves can break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves cannot break in and steal, and for where the treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now normally the context for this, and it is rightly so, is around money. And you're right. Treasures leads us to finances. Treasures leads us to money in that sense. And it is absolutely true. The further side of this is Jesus ends this particular section that leads into ours by saying you cannot serve two, two masters. Either you will serve God or you will serve money. But the context of this is not to a crowd that has a house that they're going to lose and a 401k that they're going to lose and a good job that pays that's going to lose or the car or the college fund, the context of this is hope in those things. The context of this is where do you find your security? Where do you place your full hope? And for many of us, for the first time in a long time, the last week has put a chink in our armor, a worry underneath our defenses and has gotten into us to say what ifs. And it has taken that maybe we did not realize where our hope was found. So today I want to talk about the end of chapter 6 and what Jesus says because it starts out with this. It says, therefore. What's the therefore? It's what I just told you. You have either a choice to put your hope in money, in your own works, your own security, or you have a choice to put your hope in something else that is God. So therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, about your body or what you will wear. It is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of air. Do they not sow, reap, or stow away in barns? And yet your heavenly Father feeds them, are they not? Are you not much more valuable than they? Oh man, I love that. And then there's the line that I want you to be thinking about as you are going hour by hour, this week and last, as things have changed drastically. Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? 
Can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? Why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the fields grow. They do not labor or spend, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, he not much more clothe you. You of little faith. So do not worry, saying, What shall I eat? What shall I drink? What shall I wear? For the pagans, the unbelievers, those that have not put their hope in Christ, run after these things. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them. And here's the twist. But seek first his kingdom. There's that word. Kingdom. And his righteousness. Remember, we've been learning righteousness is in right standing with one another. In right standing with God. It's important. And all these things will be given as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I want to give you two thoughts as we start off this morning. And the first is this. Worry is fear without faith. Worry is fear without faith. Worry is different then seeing things from a distance and knowing you need to make some changes. Worry is fear without faith. This is where we step into what we see around us and we remove the element of faith and all we feel is fear. All faith in the face of fear destroys worry. Faith in the face of fear destroys worry. It, it works every single time. When you go from worry first... To God last, it does not work. But when you seek the kingdom of God first, and who he is, and what he has done, and how he reigns, the worries melt away. Faith in the face of fear destroys worry. For many of us, this is a new discipline to go hour by hour, Day by day, not knowing what the next day will hold, trusting God. And I am stoked at what this is teaching me. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping that God is teaching you as well. Ravi Zacharias was interviewed just a few days ago after a back surgery and then a cancer diagnosis. He still took time to be interviewed. And when he was interviewed, the first question they asked back from both those things was about the coronavirus. And I thought, man, what a horrible thing to come back out of back surgery, to be in some of the greatest pain of his life, to have a prognosis of cancer and to be working through the treatment. And his first question, and when they asked him, he literally said one of the worst things, one of the worst disappointments in anyone's life is wasted suffering. Wasted suffering. He said suffering will either make you bitter and break you, or it will make you better and grow you. And I, I believe that God is in the business of never wasting suffering if we will attune to his plan, if we will listen to his voice. Now, why is this so challenging? Have you thought about this? Why is this so challenging? It's easy for me to say it. 
It's really hard to do it. Now, I love just a one chapter later, talking about following Christ, talking about the kingdom, talking about figuring out how to do this, figuring out how to walk this way. This is how Jesus himself describes this. This is how Jesus describes this. Enter through the narrow gate, for the wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, fear, worry. Broad is the gate that leads to death that leads to bad things. Many enter through it. The world around us, you can feel the tension as things are crumbling and wide and many. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life. And only a few seem to be clinging to it. Only a few seem to have that that trust. Just a few verses later, Jesus throws away kind of the word pictures and gives us something very concrete to understand. Concrete and understanding of what it would look like to serve one and then serve another. Concrete in what it would look like to have hope in one and hope in another. Concrete of what it would look like to have walk through the narrow versus the wide. Concrete of what it would look like to put your trust in God and to know that he is worthy of it. Or to put your trust in in something else. He describes at the end of his sermon, Sermon on the Mount, these two scenarios. See if you recognize our current situation. Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall. Because it had the foundation upon something strong, immovable. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand and beat down against the house, and it fell with a great crash. For some of you, the storms that we've been going through over the last few weeks whether over-exaggerated, whether exactly what we hope it will not be, that will not come, that we will not see millions get sick, or whether this is totally out of proportion and we have no idea of what's really going on. Whatever your belief is on that side, I will tell you one thing that it is doing. It is is revealing foundations in people. It's revealing foundations in people. Storms bring fear, but reveal faith. Storms bring fear, but they reveal faith. Wherever you're at in your home today, my question to you here as we continue is this. Where are your foundations? Has this storm rattled you like sand? Do you feel the earth beneath you moving? Or is there something that as the storms and the winds and the waves have risen, Have you felt your feet hit solid rock? Have you felt it? In between those two sections, Jesus has a warning. He has a warning that is pretty straightforward to how we can know whether or not our feet are on the rock. It's not a calming peace sometimes that surpasses understanding that always is revealing itself. Sometimes it's 
it's a little bit more physical. Sometimes it's something that we can see and watch. Sometimes it's something that we just know and then it just flows out of us. This is what Jesus describes as somebody that may be false, but is looking to find real faith. Beware of the false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep, but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit. That is, by the way they act. Can you pick grapes from a thorn bush or figs from a thistle? A good tree produces good fruit, and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot produce good fruit. Good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. The surefire way between the narrow gate and the rock is our foundation is this. Does your life in the midst of the storm reflect the fruit of God? Fruit of God. And Paul does his best to reflect what he believes is the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians. And this is what I want you to know, is your Facebook posts, your Instagram stories, your text messages, your FaceTime conversations, your soft, kind, gentle words is in your mind and in your actions reflected these things. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Because no matter what mandate comes down, no matter what government may try or may not be able to, there is no law against these things. None. And you and I, if we serve Jesus, one of the two, and we want to walk the way of life that is narrow and difficult to find, that is faith in the face of worry, and we want to see our lives on rock, we will know it in these testing storms by how well we can reflect this. There is assurance in this. I would plead with you, plead with you to believe this next statement. The church is not built to survive, but to thrive in hardship. The church is not built to survive, but to thrive in hardship. Those fruits are exactly what the world needs right now. Fearless, faith-filled, fruitful people. Fearless, faith-filled, fruitful people. Though we're socially distant from each other, we are still very much so connected. Our words go further than they ever have before. And our actions may be limited, but they are magnified because of it. The kingdom of God is a place of good fruit. And we are built to thrive when the storms cause, because we have a rock beneath our feet that never moves. 
and hardship and whatever may come. And I know for most of you, you've been watching to try to keep up with the things that may come. I love how Ravi Zacharias ended his little interview. And I loved pulling on the wisdom of someone that is almost in their 80s and has faithfully served God for 50-some years in ministry. And when he asked, what is the way that we are going to get through this? He answered with, I thought, one of the best quotes that I want you to have as you are navigating your difficult decisions, trying to produce fearless, faith-filled fruit, is this. God has given us faith, wisdom, and common sense. We must use all three tools to be effective. God has given us faith, wisdom, and common sense. We must use all three tools to be effective. Whatever may come, whatever the next hour brings, whatever tomorrow has, I believe as a church we will thrive producing fearless faith-filled fruit together, using common sense, wisdom, and faith, the tools we've been given. Kingdom is a place of good fruit. I want to pray for you. I want to encourage you. We're going to get through this. Put your faith in him.